1: Hello and welcome to this. It is a frequent flying podcast. That's right. We're doing three weeks on the bounce, which is unheard of. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for following us on Twitter or all that. Uh, my name is Junior, as you'll find out why very, very shortly. Hello, goddess. How are you?
0: I'm all right, JB. Still at the back end of my leave now after my operational detachment in the uh, Combined Air and Space Operations Centre. Um, and... Um, I'm doing lots of jobs around the house, so I'm completely ready to get back to work, whatever that may be, in the uh, the future. And uh, we'll wait and see. But happy to be here. Very excited about this evening and uh, and lots of good feedback on last week's pod, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's some really good stuff. Now, being candid, it's all a
2: big secret. What Goddars is doing next? Not it's, it's such a big secret so that big. not even he knows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
0: they not even <laughs> I know what's That's going on. That's how the Royal Air Force
2: has always worked. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, being being candid, Goddard, does your house look any different from when it did when we spoke last week, or have you literally done nothing?
0: Uh, no, I, I almost killed myself trying to re-erect a fence in the back garden. Oh. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd managed to get this thing from about 45 degrees up to about 85 degrees and then the rope I was using to secure it snapped and battered me off Ooh, the wall like a um, like a tennis ball off of a tennis racket. Uh, and, why
2: was it Why was it at 45 degrees was that so that you could hide under it in case there was like a sonic <laughs> <paint there?
0: laughs> yes I'd, I'd angled it like that on purpose no the uh, the weather's not been very good it came down and it turns out I'm not good at fixing fences oh, so I'm wow. going to get a man in oh, oh, oh,
1: <laughs> almost a thousand hours in various aircraft and it's the fence that gets him, always the way, yeah. <laughs> always oh, the no. way. Uh,
0: I Park- did think that as I was flying through the air head first <laughs> towards the patio
1: Porky how are you?
3: oh good thanks yeah no uh, no flying to the air stories for me all been very quiet nothing to report
2: what have you been doing with yourself parky because you're not a man if if i may say so <laughs> that just idly twiddles his thumbs
3: there's always like a little dynamo in there what have you been well, doing that, that is true i am carving these 3d wooden aircraft and they you really managed to do yeah are you still doing yeah. that uh, yeah, got... well, I'm good. They're, they're full 3D, they're full aircraft, and it's just, I'm, uh, uh, well, today I've just carved, I'm doing a little red arrow,
0: but it's quite big, actually. How big are is, these things? It's,
3: uh, uh, Did it start thing's... off as a uh,
0: six-foot log and is now smaller it... than a matchstick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, almost.
3: <laughs> 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 and, and my drive is full of uh, little cuttings. and did little you, did bits. you have to
2: scale it down so it was going to be a life-size <laughs> no, no, red it's... arrow, and then it became a a, a, a half-size red arrow? <laughs> it's... And now it's a one seventy-second
3: scale red arrow. Wow. Well, I, I did. I did my, my sort of my T thirty-eight was the first one, and it's you know I've done a few, but it was a. Uh, I was going to be rubbish for the things, but it came out OK, the T-38, all mounted. That's about 1.2 metres. Hang on, is that? And oh. then, uh, so I had a, st- a metre left and I thought, and the hawk, it's bizarrely curvy and good. But it's coming on. The fuselage is sort of there and I've still got all my fingers and feet because um, I do it with a chainsaw, essentially. Uh, but yeah, it, as, as Dunk says, it keeps me busy, Stop. keeps me
1: from annoying my wife. So that's good. That picture you just showed me then. That, is that a picture of what you're attempting to build, or is that what you've built? That's what I built. Yeah, so That's I've mounted really, that, this bad boy.
3: Amazingly good. That does look that, that ridiculously that, good. That, it, it is it is uh yeah it's not very it's good 30. for a,
1: a non visual medium though is it
3: yeah, that's
1: true <laughs> I, 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 oh, all yeah. i can say is it is it looks like an aircraft i am i am surprised i am shocked Mark, yes. send the
0: picture yes, and we will post it after this
1: yeah i Alrighty. i just assume that you spent all winter polishing your aston martin but no you don't you do other things so is that's a... that's very <laughs> impressive not a euphemism. you for it.
3: <laughs> I was going to say that. Uh, <laughs> I never call that my Aston Martin.
1: <laughs> anyway, anyway, enough of that. Uh, Duncan, you've been flying. How are we? And why don't you tell us after you've told us about your flying uh, why I'm to be referred to as Junior for the rest of the uh, the rest of the evening?
2: I have the winter. The winter has been uh, still. Putting a, a stop to most flying, but today it relented, and uh, so I launched off this afternoon uh, with a new student of mine, um, and um, he was poor bloke, poor poor fellow. <laughs>
3: um, was he trembling as he got in?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> he is right. He is. Uh, he's a he's a smashing fella called Chris Muggridge and he. Um, but because of the lockdown, um, he hasn't been able to cut his hair. For what looks like around about three years, so he has <laughs> he has this massive booth of which, of course, I'm insanely jealous. Um, it doesn't put us on the right foot, you know, from the get go. But no, he was uh, he was very good. It was a beautiful evening, and we landed at dusk with just us as the last ones airborne, runway lights glowing, um, twinkling in the uh, in the background. So we had a it was a really good uh, good sortie today. It was nice to get back in the air.
0: I'm jealous.
1: Excellent. (laughs) We even turned upside down. um... I'm going to have to give you some reluctant credit, Duncan, because you've done very, very well. So uh, why don't you introduce our guest? Well, to be honest, I don't think I deserve the
2: credit, to be honest. I think, uh, JB, that uh, the initial thought was because we do occasionally, although it may not look like it, um, we occasionally do have some thoughts about a sort of theme that we're going to speak about and you suggested uh, the tall by tall boy bomb didn't you because in your um non-stop um aim to just read the whole of the internet you yeah. must have come across the tall boy and thought that looks interesting um and i said ah oh, i know a man who um knows far more about tall boys than any of us will ever um, I'll give him a call and uh, and see if he will kindly come on the podcast. And the reason why you're referring to yourself as Junior is because that man is none other than uh, John Bell, uh, DFC, MBE and Legion Um And uh, he uh, joined 619 Squadron. I'm going to let him say, uh, say when and where a little later. But uh, he joined 619 Squadron and then 617 Squadron flying the Lancaster Bomber. Um, uh, many many moons ago, and again, I'll let him introduce the year because I can't remember if it was forty or forty. Was it forty-two, John? What uh, that you joined the uh, that you joined six one nine squadron?
4: Forty-three, July forty-three.
2: Forty-three, yeah. So um, of course, John Bell, who of course you've you've heard briefly chatting there, is another JB, uh, which we we hadn't really worked out. And so both when we had our preamble, both. Uh, when I said JB, of course JB Senior started talking. So now, our uh, regular JB is now to be known as Junior. But for, for
1: a little while,
2: for a little while. But I think if we move back to uh, to John Bell, I, I'm not sure I've uh, I've done you justice there, John. So welcome to the podcast. It's great to uh, to Thank have you. you on. So uh, would you mind just um, uh, just introducing yourself a little bit and uh, just let us know. I know we've, you've said um, 1943, joining 619 Squadron, but could you yes. just give a little bit of background about uh, when and where you joined the Air Force?
4: Yes. It, uh, well, I was 16 when the war was declared, so my father said, you better leave school and get a job, which they did for me. And, and I went to work for uh, a, as an office boy in the city of London with a firm of chartered accountants. And uh, Gradually progressed up to going out with the auditors. Anyway, uh, that, after two years, I reached the magic age of 18 and three months, and I could join the RAF, having watched the uh, turmoil over the southern uh, counties through the Battle of Britain and so on. So, very anxious to get in and uh, and fly. Uh, all went well until I went with my, to my, um, uh, my medical. And uh, I'm six feet four and skinny and uh, got through everything that was necessary. But my legs were deemed to be too long to get in a cockpit. So I think they were thinking of fighter cockpits because I got into the Lancaster cockpit quite easily. So anyway, I I couldn't be a pilot, but uh, they sent me on on an observer course. I went to South Africa and came back with having carried out the uh, bombing, navigation and gunnery sections of the observer. Well, of course, the time I got back in 1943, the uh, the um, large bombers were coming into thought and the the, um, the observer was no longer required in that particular role. They, they split it up and I, I my bomb aimer was better than my navigation, so naturally I was posted as a bomb aimer. And... Uh, uh, formed a crew at, uh, at the school we went through and finished up on uh, Lancaster's at uh, uh, at uh, the, I forget which, where it was now anyway we went through went through uh, training and picked up more crew, uh, crew members and in July 43 we arrived on um, uh, at well um, uh, oh where did we arrive at, um, at the squadron at um, where, well, it was Woodall's fire, yeah, and, uh, and started uh, operating. We were very fortunate, obviously, in getting through uh, all the, the various uh, operations we were on and had a couple of uh, nasty um, operations, nothing, nothing to do with uh, enemy fire or anything. I think one, one, re- one, um, uh, one operation to, um, to Hamburg we lost an engine on the way there, decided after a, a, a group discussion on board that we should continue rather than go back and plead that we, we've lost an engine, so we couldn't go any further. But they look at you very scarred uh, and you, uh, you don't stand very much chance after that. So we decided to bomb on three engines and at 12,000 uh, 12, feet over the city, it was quite a, quite a a quite an operation. And we had one other bad one where we were, the entrance froze up and we managed to get out of that. So we had a, a fairly good tour without uh, too much other problem. We were getting to the end of, uh, after six months of operating, where we were rather uh, different uh, situation in, in the crew as far as numbers are concerned. When you get to 30, yeah, you can have a six-month rest and they can call you back and do another 20. Now, the pilot, Skipper, was uh, two two ahead of anybody else. I was three behind because I had uh, a, a cold and couldn't fly and the navigator was in the similar. So we were at sixes and sevens. And we didn't really want to uh, carry on in the way we were because some of the members would finish their 30 option go off and we'd have uh, different uh, a different crew member on board. And that's something we just didn't want to do. So we thought, why don't we carry on? and uh, don't have our six-month rest. We might as well get rid of the next 20-ops as well. And, uh, and by then, we had swapped stations with 617, we'd come in, and they'd come into uh, Whirlall Spa. So somebody said, well, instead of doing that, why don't we join 617? They, they look a bit more exciting than the Bomber Command. So we volunteered and went to see um, uh, Cheshire in his uh, office and he said, "Why do you want to boy join my squadron?" And Bobby Knights, a pilot who had been well briefed, said, "Well sir, for six months we've been flying at twenty thousand feet in the dark. We'd like to fly a little nearer the ground." So <laughs> he said, uh, "Well, I'm sorry, we're not doing that anymore. But you're welcome to join us anyway." And of course they had uh, switched. They had two very bad, as you know, one of the bombs, uh, the dams raid, they lost a number of aircraft. And they lost them on another low-level night job, and so they decided to change the squadron's role over to high-level precision bombing, and that uh, was very good. So here we are on 617 Squadron.
2: John, and- can I just can I? May I just, just interrupt for a second? Just for our listeners, um, they probably they, they probably won't know, but 617 Squadron then was a, a special operations squadron, wasn't it? So it wasn't yes, like a, a normal squadron and you I had know. to volunteer for it, as you said. Could you just expand on that a little more?
4: Yes, they, they would take volunteers and uh, they, they were always searching for experienced crews and um, they welcomed us and um, there were a number of crews Still on the squadron who had been on the um, dams raid and we looked up to them with you know quite a amount of uh, of uh, of um, acknowledging the, the the sort of raid that they were on and survived and uh, yes the 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 squadron was um, uh, before we joined it we carried out two low, another low level night job and lost a number of aircraft so that's why they stopped that and decided to make it a a, a high-level bombing squadron. And um, they started really about the time that we joined, in January of 1944. Uh, The the aircraft were fitted out with, uh, on site, the, um, the, what what do you call it, the, um, I've got a picture of it here. Uh,
2: It's the SABS, isn't it?
4: The SABS? Sabs? Yeah, that's, that's, that's right, yes. Semi-automatic bomb That was it. So we had to uh, learn. We've been using the Mark 14, of course, with Bomber Command, and we had this um, fancy um, bomb and lots of uh, lots of, um, of, tra- of of training carried out over the bombing range in between sorties. I'll just tell you for, uh, quickly that uh, the whole crew were were. Um, would had the, the bomb site explained to them because the whole crew really involved in it in some way or another and uh, off we went on a practice um, bombing run with the bombing leader and the local bomb site, uh, bomb uh, bombing range we'd been to before and dropping 12 pound bombs from 10,000 feet and on the first run over the first bomb hit the middle of the triangle so I thought well that's pretty good we went round and came back from the other direction, and the next one hit the middle of the triangle. I said, "Christ, this is some bomb site." <laughs> uh, we went down the search time. and uh, on the way, uh, ne- nearing the bomb release, uh, Bob, my pilot, said, uh, oh, uh, "I think we ought to go round again. It doesn't look too good." On, you know, my he's got a bombing direction indicator, and I expect it wasn't showing properly. I said, "No, it's okay, Bob. It's all right." So I let it go and of course it was about a 30 yard error so that taught us that we have to operate and cooperate really between the pilot and the navigator but and the bomb aimer. but it showed what what a fantastic bomb site it is used properly and of course uh, when we used it after, uh, on operations naturally uh, we were uh, under fire from ground fire all the time and that was one of the penalties of that particular bomb site that you had to have a, a long run into the target over about five minutes or more, five would 10 minutes, and you were at the uh, mercy of the anti-aircraft fire. And we lost uh, two or three uh, aircraft in that, and one or two others got damaged. But uh, uh, that's as I say, it was a very good bomb site and gave you accurate uh, uh bombing with particularly with the um necessary with the um um with the fancy bomb that we were equipped with the, the um john. which you may just now the, john i, I goes, just, just out of my mind the, the um oh, tall boy the tall boy yes yeah. there, there, there. john just to so, go back just to go back
1: a back a few steps um hmm. You went to South Africa. I mean, that uh, I know that's not exactly what we uh, planned on ta- ta- talking about. But um, did everyone go to train in South Africa, and how did you get there? That must have been a bit of a shock when you joined up to yes, battle war. Empire
4: training scheme. Empire training scheme. South Africa, Rhodesia, Canada, and United States. So, what do yep. they
1: do? They load you onto a battleship and
4: just sail you down? No, we sailed out on a on an old. Um, it was a. Um, a banana, banana boat and, uh, <laughs> it was about 13,000 tonner we were under, under escort from a destroyer part of the way and um, uh, anyway we got there and I was there for about um, 7 months 6 six months got there in May 43 came back in December and we did the navigation course bombing course and the gunnery Passed out as observers, they were still training observers. Yeah, even though they were no longer required. So I don't know why they carried on uh, with, you know full uh, full training. It was quite unnecessary.
1: So were you out in South Africa training with other Commonwealth aircrew, or was it just for RF boys?
4: No, no um, South African South African pilots. Yep, yeah. and air crew, Yeah, training us.
1: Okay, so you've so you've come back from training in South Africa. Uh, when you decided to switch to um, 617 Squadron, were you aware of the activities that they were getting up to? Was that well publicised?
4: No, it wasn't. They they had, um, in fact, they carried out the dams raid. The only one they did after that was uh, later on against. Um, they, they they had two goes at it, and um, uh, weather weather interfered. It didn't help much, and uh, they lost um, lost several aircraft. They lost they lost their new. Um, CO, Flying Officer, he'd just taken over and he was shot down. And uh, I suspect that that uh, was uh, the reason why they stopped uh, low-level operating at night. And as uh, 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 we were told, we, we, we said, well, we'd have to join because, you know, if you're flying low-level. We didn't really know what they were doing, except that uh, it uh, sounded exciting. When,
1: uh, when you first met the guys in 617...
4: Did they behave yeah.
1: differently to other bomber crews? Did they have a certain swagger about them?
4: No, they didn't have a swagger. But we 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 put them on a, like I said we put them on a pedestal. We, we put them higher up. You no, know, we we knew what they'd been through, what they'd done. Special special operations. Uh, it's different from bomber command. Quite different. Flying right. low level at night, fifty feet above the ground over Germany. You know, it's a hell of a job. So we we gave them that to special meeting and uh, we looked up to them although we were experienced and carried out a number of uh, operations over Germany but uh, in a different way but um, anyway we we, we quickly uh, became part of the scene and uh, particularly when uh, we realized what we were going to be doing and uh, we just fitted in we had experience and this was uh, something new that we rather uh, rather pleased that we joined, got away from uh, bomber command and its form of operating. Wow. So,
0: did they? Um, um, you know, after you'd been in the CO uh, Leonard Cheshire, it, it yeah. been in his office when he said, "Okay," yeah. were you there that afternoon? The next day? How long did that take in terms of, do, of doing the transfer? Then uh,
4: well, about a week or two, I think, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and, and did
0: you fly any missions in the in the in the meantime?
4: Yes, that? we did. Yes, we, we did a um, little blog book shows. I forget where I went, Brunswick or somewhere. We went we, we did another op, yeah, and uh, uh, yeah. Then we moved over. Yeah, uh, it was um, yeah. You, you couldn't flip about between squad between um, uh, squadrons uh, normally. You couldn't just do that thing. Or oh, I call them Joe and I But six one seven was different. They were always on the lookout for an experienced crew, and uh, we were near the end of our tour. So we, uh, we said, well, why don't we, we want to finish our tour? We want to carry on bombing, carry on. We want to forego our, uh, our six months break and carry on uh, operating. So uh, there was no, uh, no, there were two or three other crews from 619 that moved over as well. Uh, so
2: so, so when you um, when you moved over there, so you, you, you took the couple of weeks and you did that uh, Brunswick op, and then you got to six one seven squadron. Was there a a workup? I mean, you've said it all seems a bit cloak and dagger in terms of you didn't really know what they were doing. So, did you arrive and they said, right, boys, come in this room and look? You know. Here we go. This is what we do. Da da. You know, yeah. was there a training period, or was it no? You're straight off on an op, doing something, or were you working with well, special weapons? You've already well, mentioned the SABs bomb yeah, site, but were, were you working with different stuff, which required a workup of sorts?
4: Yeah, we were. Given, we, there was a, a Lancaster free, so that was allocated to us, and um, we. Um, yeah, you know, we carried out our uh, bombing practice. Went on, went over the bombing range a couple of times, and showed that we to, uh, cope, could cope with the bomb site. So we were on ops. So the first one we were on, as I say, it was the one to the south of France to this uh, um, this um, uh, railway viaduct, um, and uh, uh, that uh, that meant flying down to Ford in the Sussex, and. Uh, Flying from Ford, we had to be refilled it was on the way down and back. And we uh, flew down, bombed, came back. It was pretty tough bombing. The anti aircraft fire was, it was extremely high. Uh, uh, and uh, one of the, uh, our aircraft was uh, one of the Lancas was hit in the front and the bombing was, filled and he was killed. He was the, uh, the squadron's uh, bombing leader, unfortunately. So um, anyway that was an experience and uh, was that raid, John, was that with uh tall boys, the uh, the viaduct? No, no, we hadn't got tall boys then. No, it was twelve thousand pound light case bomb. Okay, like a a large uh, cookie. Twelve thousand pound cookie. Yeah. You no, know, um... uh, we're dropping those. It just just a blast bomb. Okay. Were they barrel
2: shaped like the um like the four thousand pound cookie, with it? They look like yeah, yeah. I think from my if my memory serves me correct, I've seen pictures of those. The cookies were they looked like an a, an oversized oil drum.
4: That's right, like a big, um, like a big dustbin or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. There's one in the museum, but um, I was at um, East, East Kirby. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so, so we were familiar with the twelve thousand pounder, uh, and. Um, and of course, the said um, the twelve thousand pound um, by was you no know, extra weight. Just it, just it, it looked better. It looked more like a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So and just uh, a, a sort of you know almost uh, a technical question here, John. But so you know that first raid down in the south of France. Um, yeah. You know, it's a long way down. Um, yeah. I guess you're worried about fighters, AAA, all of that sort of stuff. But then when you get down there, when you actually release that weapon. Yeah. can can you feel that come off the aeroplane? Is there a complete oh, yes. change in the aeroplane at that point?
4: Yeah, you can yeah, certainly feel it. I mean, it didn't go up shooting up in the air, but it £12,000 dropping off, it, it gives you a, a little bit of a lift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: and uh, I guess the pilot felt like he was flying a fighter at that point on the way back.
4: Well, yes, he <laughs> <laughs> It made a big difference, £12,000, and less fuel and, you know, that sort of thing, but... Uh, it uh, is. I I did try. I forgot to tell it. Well, I was going to tell you that would uh, be a bit of a hiccup. Um, while I was at OTU, uh, they introduced um, something that was new. Now, previously, uh, bombers went out with a pilot and a and a second pilot to take over if one was in. But they realized after a while that when the aircraft was shot down, they were losing two pilots in one go. And pilots took a long time to uh, you know to become pilots. So so they came up with a brilliant idea with the seven-man crew and the new new five uh, new aircraft, new bombers. Why doesn't the bomb aimer, who was sitting in the front down there, not doing anything until he gets to the target, why not give him the job of piloting the aircraft if it needs doing? So, they they gave me some um, training uh, on the uh, what do you call it the little simulator, the, quite an, an old-fashioned one.
2: Do they call um, it a Link trainer?
4: Link trainer, yeah, that's it. And then I got um, several hours at the controls of the Wellington where we went up. Bob said, well, you know, I, and I was flying it around the sky just to get the the hang of it. I wasn't going to bring it back and land it, at least I thought not, but at least I could keep it in the air if the crew wanted to jump out. That was the idea. Then we got onto the Lancaster and I had a go at that. Whenever we had a spare time taking uh, you know, sort of, uh, going for a, a test or something like that, Bob would always give me 10 or 15 minutes at the controls just oh, so that I could, oh, uh, uh, it was uh, very light. Could move it around the sky quite easily, I found, and uh, so I quite enjoyed cool. that. But rather, when you think about it, uh, too, too long in the leg to be a pilot. There <laughs> I am, bombing a trained in in uh, handling the Lancaster. So,
1: John, uh, um, I so you know, as someone who doesn't fly uh, and has never flown, I always look at the World War Two machines and I wonder, you know. Um, was all the fuss um, worth it in regards to their reputation and whatnot? Uh, how did the Lancaster fly compared to a Wellington? Was was there was there a noticeable a noticeable difference? And did you have more faith in one machine than the other? <laughs>
4: Uh, I don't think I had less faith in Wellington because it Wellington was uh, was new to us. They weren't the best of Wellingtons. So they've been they've been around a long time on squadrons, and here we were at OTU uh, flying them. That, uh, in fact, uh, our first takeoff on a Wellington, the one of the engines, one of the two engines stopped, just as the wheels left the ground. Now that was pretty. <laughs> that was our first flight. Fortunately. The end of the runway, the ground dipped away into a sort of a shallow lot of fields. So Bob sort of nosed down, kept the flying speed, got the flying speed up, bringing it, brought it round, and just over the hangars and landed it on one engine. So that was a bit dicey. <laughs> so we were very lucky. I do think he ought to have had a green a green entry in his dog book for that because it was a very, very near do.
1: Very yeah. yeah. it
4: sounds It sounds horrendous. That was our first flight. <laughs> so,
0: so when you get so back to South of France, you get back from that. Did uh, as a crew, did you look at each other and go, "Ooh, you know that was pretty tough down there." Um, did we make the right decision in terms of joining the squadron, or was it? No, we're oh, part of this now. Off we go. Oh no, no, that was
4: uh, it was tough, but. Uh, it- nothing much happened it was just a a long way down a long way 700 miles down and back and which is why we had started at the south of uh, south of England and uh, flew over the uh, Alps twice Uh, so that was uh, something and uh, unfortunately when we landed when we landed back um, the weather had um, really closed in and uh, it was was almost down on the deck and uh, we were taking off we stopped overnight down at Ford. Took off the next morning to come back to Woodall, and uh, one of our aircraft had taken off before us and hit the top of the uh, downs and wrote everybody off. And oh, wow. unfortunately, unfortunately they 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 were carrying the station um, intelligence officer who travelled down to Ford to. Briefers and debriefers from the off the op, and he was on board and was killed, oh. and all wiped out. Yeah. Uh, great shame. Just yeah. why they—they they must have known the, the the height of the downs and flew into the top of it. It's What a shame. Uh, what a shame.
2: Uh, hey, uh, talking of to, talking of firsts, uh, can I, I? I just want to to go back and ask you a question about when you got to six one nine squadron. So. You've done your training. You've had already a dicey do with the Wellington and the engine stopping on the uh, on the first uh, the first go out. Um, but when you get to 619 Squadron, um, how was it? So when you, you know, you're up for your first op, um, what was your yeah. feeling then? How Can you remember oh, how you felt in terms of? Oh,
4: yeah. Uh, yeah. Can, can yeah. you describe how yeah. that was? When you get to the squadron, we've been flying the Lancaster at uh, at uh, operational, uh, at um, the, the pre- previous training uh, place. And we had to um, do some tra- further training and operational and further experience of the Lancaster on the squadron. We were allocated a length and we have various um, cross countries to do just to get into the. Squadron routine. Bob, the pilot, the the uh, practice was that the pilot would do two second dicky trips with a, an experienced crew before he took his crew on ops. Okay, so that worked out well. We um, the, Bob went with this particular crew. as was a New Zealander uh, pilot, and um, he taught Bob a lot of useful little tricks. When you, you're flying in a in a in a bomber stream of several hundred bombers. And uh, you've got to watch out, obviously, for those that are close to you and one thing or another. And he gave Bob several good tips about what to do and what not to do when you're just flying along, straight and level, 20,000 feet and so on. And it's very helpful. And then after Bob had done two, then we we could, uh, we could would then go on ops with him, OK? So here we are after two years of training, was it? Two years? Yeah. Yeah, two two years of, of of training. We at last we were going to war, and we were quite excited about it. We, it, you know, it took us a long time to get there to go to war. That was our intention, and here it was on our first operation. The first of the Hamburg raids, wow. and uh, uh, it was uh, quite alarming, really alarming, to see as you approach the target, uh, it's already lit up with uh, flares from the um, pathfinders and the, the um, anti-aircraft guns are fired away. The sky is full of bursting shells, full. And you think, how the hell are we going to get through that lot? And it really was, an, I wasn't frightened, but it was an alarming sight. Now I got the best view sitting in the front.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah.
4: Interesting, so, we spoke uh, to yes. Nick Hurd.
2: Uh, last last week John Nick uh, was uh, went in on the first night of the Gulf War flying in his tornado and he flies on the squadron with me at the moment and he kindly spoke to us last week and he was saying as they went in to attack the airfield that they were attacking that exact same feeling that you've just described with yeah. Tracer just lighting up the sky and that exact mm. same thought that you've just described which yeah. is how the hell are we going to get through that
4: that's, a, that's right well, I had a job to do of course, so I had to guide the pilot excuse me, but guide the pilot to to uh, the aiming point. So that's what I'm, I'm concentrating on that and ignoring everything around me. And I found on subsequent operations with and, and they're all the same, all the same. You know, you've got this massive of, of of sky full of bursting shells, millions and millions of bits of steel. So I ignored it. There was nothing I could do to stop it, nothing I could do uh, that would uh, in any way make it better for me. so I just ignored it. If a piece of a piece of um, shrapnel no bigger than that came into some part of the aircraft and caused us a crash well that's that's it, but we couldn't avoid it. So the best thing is not to think about it, and I just uh, that's the way I got through. It didn't worry me. I just thought, Christ, it's uh, it's just as bad here as it was last night at the other place we were (laughs) at. You know, that's all. Did you
3: see any? uh, Did you see any other Lancasters get hit, John? Did you witness that? Yeah, yeah. that must have been
4: just horrendous to see. We made we made reports for the um, for the um, um, navigator to put in his log, and uh, we always um, said another one going down. Well, it's not our turn. We, we, we literally said, not our turn tonight. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they. we always uh, hoped that we'd see parachutes coming out. Sometimes we did, sometimes we didn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, you, the thing about flying is that you don't, unlike being on the ground with the army, you don't see death. Mm-hmm. You don't see death alongside, not normally anyway. Uh, you see it happening or about to happen and uh you you have to ignore it, and uh just you know that's not our turn tonight. That was the attitude we had we were we had a, a a rear gunner who was much older than the rest of us in fact he formed the crew he went round all this bunch of people selecting a the pilot he he'd sorted out to do the job, and then he found me and, uh, and the other crew and uh, he got. A, he was married, and he got a small daughter. So he was determined to survive the war. He, whatever came, gonna survive. So he made sure we'd, we all did our jobs properly. <laughs> and, uh, Dad, we called him Dad or Pop. <laughs> <laughs> so, and how? And know. how old was? How old was Dad? He was twenty-nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I, I, went up gun, I was only eighteen. Uh, I'm twenty, 20, 21. And um, Bob, Bob, my pilot was twenty-two. So, uh, so pop. But pop. I get, I guess, so much. John was just—it's
3: just the luck of the draw, wasn't it? You know, if, if you got That's hit, right. you yeah. didn't get That's hit. You know, just that extraordinary it. feeling. You know that so many no, guys didn't make it, it back. Nothing no, could
4: do about it. Yeah. No point sit lying there shivering and thinking oh, I might get shot. It, you might not. In a thousand thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of bits of metal, there might be one with your name on it, and it really only wants one bit like that to come into an engine stop it, and then you're on three engines and you're, you're, you know, the rest yeah. but it until it happens, it doesn't happen nothing happens, yeah. so why? I, I just ignored it I had the best view of uh, all the disaster going on down below but I had to just concentrate on my job making sure that we aimed and bombed the aiming point. We had an aiming point, as you know, at every on every operation. It wasn't just yeah. loading bomb. I know there were bombers that chaps uh, crews that tipped it out, probably tipped it out in the countryside and got back. It, it happened, yeah. um, but we always sought out the um, marked aiming point, try to get an aiming point photograph, and uh, to show that you know you bombed the right plot. That's it. That's the way it was. When you and, and, and John on the
0: um, so being the bomb aimer, when you, you know when you weren't doing your job at that particular point, were you manning the uh, the sort of nose turret there and the uh, and, and the well, that were just above you? Well,
4: I, I, talk about manning it. No, I, I never fired it in anger. and never found any occasion which to do that because uh, there was never an aircraft in front of me that I wanted to shoot down. Uh, I used it. To stretch my legs. It was at six feet <laughs> four, remember? Six feet four in five feet of space. So I uh, had a bit of a curl-up to do on this uh, rubber mat and um, I I stood up in the turret from time to time just to stretch my legs. and That's the only use I made of it. <laughs> um, uh, it was, it, was, it so, was helpful in that respect.
1: When uh, you first fly with 619, that first four um, mates... When you first fly on your on your first mission, and oh, yeah. you, and you formate with with I assume the other hundreds of aircraft, that must be quite a powerful feeling before you know what's going to happen.
4: Yeah, we were not formating with anybody. Don't forget, so you're in the dark, and uh, so you you, see... so you can't
1: see the, can't see the, the other lanks, no.
4: You can't. Yeah, you might see you might see um, uh, the, the the lights or flames for. for Bits of flames from the engines and nearby land. There are a lot of very near misses and, of course, some collisions. You're in a, you're in a, a bomber stream, all, all at the same altitude practically, and uh, flying along at the same speed. Oh, I, see. I, I, always and, I always assumed that no. you took off. I
1: always assumed that you that you took off in um, in, in the lights, got into formation, and then went over. I had, no, no, I had no, no idea. No, no, no,
4: no. Each squadron had had, had its own time to be on target. So you take off at a particular time that you're scheduled to, climb up to altitude, join the screen, the uh, bomber stream yes. uh, at the appropriate time for your... You're your due on target for within a minute of a particular time. Wow. And uh, you're supposed to be there at that time. So, uh, so every, every squadron had a different time to be on target, but they're all in the stream, a long, long stream of several hundred uh, aircraft and that's where there were some collisions and some very near misses we had of just climbing over the top of us and oh. one thing or another. But, uh, so you were surrounded by aircraft.
2: Would you just suddenly become aware of like a looming shadow above you when you had those oh, yeah. near misses? Yeah,
4: yeah. And, and
2: And I guess did you...
4: Across the top, yeah. Even yeah. didn't see us and uh, just, just across the top. <laughs> yeah. oh, would
2: you shout, would you take evasive action?
4: Well... Depends on how, how the aircraft is approaching you from the side. Perhaps if you see it in time, you can do... But if it's over the top, you can't do very much about it. Just hope he carries on <laughs> at the same altitude.
2: Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah I, it's, a, it's a strange feeling, but you're in this big stream and you're all going at practically the same speed. And uh, And, of course, if you're in cloud, as we frequently were... You don't see anybody till really right. come out, uh, so it's a pretty dicey do. But, uh, so there were the dangers in the air, besides the um, the flak you'd meet when you get to the target area, and the and the fighters, of course. Well, we had uh, we had fighters several times on our tail, and, and, uh, very, the twenty nine year old rear gunner was very very alert, very alert My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you
3: in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi
4: and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: One of the questions I've always had or always wondered about... Um, but for bomber crews, how effective was your defensive armament?
4: Um, well, there was—you um, could, you could say that the the defensive there was not much point in having the mid upper gunner. It would be better if we had a mid-under gunner, yeah, because that—that uh, that was the way that the the, the uh, Luftwaffe decided in the end that it would shoot up underneath, and uh, that lost, lost a lot of aircraft that way. So. Missing, I think they did in uh, one or two Lakers, they tried to put in uh, uh, an, an under turret, but uh, it wasn't carried out uh, for all, all the lengths. So, uh, it's very really.
3: weird. John, it was uh, Dave Fellows who got a kill on, uh, was it a one-one-zero? But he, he was a tail what was he? And he, he so, got a kill. He shot a night fighter down.
4: Dave, Dave Fellows? Yeah,
3: Dave Fellows, yeah. Yeah.
4: Yes, yes, he did. So in, in his
3: logbook, JB, he's, you know, he claimed a kill with yeah. his, uh, and I remember him telling the story, you know, he was sort of just looking out, and I think he, he would remove the sort of the perspex or there was some glass, but he didn't like that because, mm-hmm. you know, you were you were looking for almost the, uh, you know, the lights from their exhaust from anything, yeah. and he saw yeah. this, yeah, I think it was a measurement one closing up, and it had the upward-firing cannon, and mm-hmm. he, he should have shouted to his his captain to sort of go into a, a spiral, you know, to break turn, but he sort of just let him creep up and then just wellied him with his four Brownings
0: <laughs> and uh, and claimed a kill. Yeah. Got him. That's
4: incredible. Yeah. I mean, well,
0: all... was that on six one seven squadron with uh, Dave Fellows? No, 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 he
4: was not.
0: No, no, that it was, wasn't six one seven. squadron four.
4: I think it was four sixty.
2: Yeah, I think that. Yeah. I think it was four sixty. Yeah, a...
4: yeah.
0: Imagine. So, so back to so after the the first. Um, you know, you've been to the south of France. Was it then you were into the tallboy missions? And did did you do anything in northern France with the sort of uh, the V one, the V two sites um, yeah. up oh, there?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were a major major um, uh, attack, yeah, major operations. Yeah. Well,
2: the, just, just so, but as that, so you said when you started, you you had the the the, the twelve thousand pound cookie aircraft. Yeah. At what point was it common knowledge that the Tall Boy? Because I know we wanted to talk about Tall Boy. That was JB's uh, his sort of big question. But was it was it common knowledge on the squadron that this was coming? And did you? So you didn't know, and it just sort of pitched up.
4: Yeah. Well, they've been obviously the 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 CO knew about it because he, chap who invented them, Barnes Wallace. Hmm?
2: Barnes Wallace.
4: Barnes Wallace. They had a discussion before we, we before we took off with these uh, apparently, and uh, and uh, Cheshire said to him, uh, "Yeah, you, you you need you need. I'm not sure you, you your accuracy that you require we, we can meet. You know, and uh, the best one in the world. I'm not sure we could drop them as accurately as you require." To which uh, he said, "The reply was." Hadn't well, known you were going to drop them all over over France like pills, I wouldn't have invented the bloody things.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Actually, he, he, yeah, there was no need. We 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 dropped them pretty accurately. So, um, but we know we knew nothing about it. They had been delivered, obviously, and they were in the bomb door bomb store, and the, the, um, the C.O. knew about them, and I don't know whether anybody else did. But it was all a big um, Big mystery, big big secret. We didn't know until we were told. This is what we're going to drop. First time we saw them. And and how how
2: far in advance of that first drop were you told? Because did you have to do any special training with them?
4: Uh, no, couldn't do it. Can't. No. There's one thing I, I can't get in my mind is that um, there had to be some uh, alterations to the bomb Bombay. Bomb yeah, because they, there's a strap to put in to to, to hold them in, and uh, I think the bond doors had to be oh had to be altered somehow a little bit. I can't remember. So there had to be some alterations which uh, we didn't really see or understand what was going on, and uh, certainly we weren't told about it. Uh, it was just it produced. This is what we're going to drop now. Oh gosh, that looks good, and. Uh, and then the uh, the operation was explained you know, on the on the bridge, the the railway uh, uh, railway tunnel. Yeah.
2: So that was the first one was against the, the, the that tunnel. railway yeah. tunnel.
4: Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. And did yeah. you did they give you some sort of you know ground school to say because just having a having had a look at it you know clearly it was a uh, quite an innovative weapon in terms of how Barnes Wallace had designed it um it it was i think made out of um just single cast steel wasn't it um yes and did did you did you get that sort of did you get the ground school of this is how it works this is you know how it's going to be deployed and and how it will uh, Yeah,
4: yeah well that's right we were we were told um uh, the explosive um um well, the amount of explosive in there in the in the bomb, and also the um the sort of fuse that we would have would be perhaps a half second or or something like that, or one second fuse or something for determining on the ground it's being dropped into. So uh, yeah, we were made aware of that.
2: Because it was a similar concept, wasn't it, to um, to the grand slam, which then came a little later, I think. Uh, so, but yeah. both of them were, I think, are uh, designed to drop near a target and cause a yes. destruction, it, sort of a, 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 a underneath the ground, shock that, waves, then destroying yeah. the actual structure yeah. itself.
4: They were not They were not designed to be to penetrate lots of concrete, but to to land alongside a building and 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 do an earthquake a job on it, throw out the, the foundations. That was the object of it. See he, his idea. Which he submitted to the um, ministry before, so sort of around about 1941 or something like that, was this was his idea of a, a, a 10-ton bomb dropped from 40,000 feet. And they said, thanks very much. We can't get an aircraft up that high. <laughs> we haven't got a bomb that size. 40,000, you know, carry that weight of bomb." But the idea was there, and the gradually they brought it out of the the the. the uh, his uh, invention uh paper out of the cold store and looked at it again later on and gave gave him the okay to go ahead and, and design something and ah. that's when he got the two bomb got three actually got a small one for um for um practice, practice bombing it was a small about a four thousand pounder so, and um, when they tested the um tested the, i think tested the um the grand slam in the new Forest uh, they uh, it wasn't stable, and uh, wobbled a bit. So they turned the fins round to to act as uh, like the airflow over them would, tur- would turn return the spin the bomb, which it did and stabilized it. I see.
1: So John, yeah. um, when you first started with six 6-1, one with six one seven, you were you were dropping cookies, right? Which obviously yeah. massive explosives in their own right and probably might even have more explosive in them than Tallboy and Grand Slam because that yeah. way it comes from other things. Can you just yeah. tell me why you had these three different bombs and what each of them did? What, why did we have... Why, why did you have these three different bombs and, why, uh, and what did each one of them do which was different to the other?
4: Well, it depends on what we're dropping. Uh, we wouldn't what, uh, drop a um, twelve thousand um, pound light case um, bomb on a bridge, for example. So we were dropping ten bombs of about, uh, oh, what, call 25 what, 20, twenty-five, twenty-five pound bombs. We'd have a series of twenty-five pounders, or something like mm-hmm. that, as well as, uh, well as perhaps the the uh, cookie depends on the type of target. The targets we were bombing during the first six months of 1944 before the, um, before the uh, D-Day raid um, were all connected with the, the future D-Day operation. Mm-hmm. So all, in, all in northern France or parts of France, which were deemed, we didn't know, but uh, found out afterwards that they're all part of the forward look of the operation for D-Day. See? So we were taking out bridges, um, taking out factories and ammunition dumps, uh, that sort of thing. And also the the U-boat U-boat pens at Brest and uh, the um, E-boat pens in Le Havre. Wow. all, All looking ahead to the operate the d day operation
1: so with la Havre um and Brest and even La Rochelle, that was basically a race who can who can drop bombs faster than well can you drop bombs faster than the Germans can lay fresh fresh concrete yes well
4: yeah, i think so they with the, with the repair of the two major dams mm-hmm. they it took a lot lot of um well hundreds of thousands of men to repair them and lots of the materials that they were using or would be using on the, um, um, what do they call it? Called? The Atlantic wall. Yes. And that delayed the finish of the Atlantic wall. Okay. So it had a wide ranging effect. Uh, the bombing, the dams it wasn't just, uh, the electricity, you know, cut off the electricity. It was sort of had an effect elsewhere and, uh, it was noticeable, that uh, the uh, Atlantic Wall was not uh, complete. Uh, they 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 used thousands of labourers on the wall, and they had to take them away and use them to repair the dams.
1: Wow! Uh,
4: so so it's very effective so, from, from a different point
1: of view. So was the Grand Slam just a bigger version of the Tall Boy?
4: What the uh, Grand Slam?
1: Yeah, the Grand Slam was it just a bigger version of the Tall Boy?
4: Yes. Yeah. It. Um, I think they have to be made, or uh, well, they were made in uh, the in, in, uh, United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I didn't see them, I uh, only heard about them. And they were used uh, from, I think it was from March 1945. And they destroyed a U um, boat factory building super U boats in Hamburg. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, And uh, it destroyed that. I think uh, think they waited waited until the the concrete had been poured in and not set. I think (laughs) something like that. But uh, yeah, and of course they destroyed the um, one was destroyed the um, canal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, It had been bombed very many times, but damaged, and they repaired the damages, you see, each time it's bombed. But the 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 one uh, grand slam just destroyed that whole section of it with the um, supports, so earthworks, and everything else uh, it couldn't be couldn't be repaired. Okay. Uh, so that was the effective, uh, uh, the first effective drop.
0: So, how long, did, John? Did it take you? Um, you know, so you said you'd gone through the the thirty missions um, when you when you went to six one seven squadron. Well, um, I, with, the, yeah. with the target of getting to fifty, how long? Yeah. So, how long
4: did that take? Yeah, uh, yeah. When up, up to December nineteen forty-three, when like I said we sat down and, and worked out where we were, uh, I had I I have finished um, twenty-three ops. The Pilots had done 26, 27 and so on. So I was down about twenty-three. I did another one that was twenty-four when i joined 617 i had 24 in the bank i had to do another 26 to get my 50. wow and that finished in august of 44. Uh, yeah uh, that's what i was working on and uh I, you know i just said when it did i said thanks very much uh i'm now going <laughs> <And I> said, <laughs> okay thanks for thanks for being with us and i, I went to an a, uh, operational training unit which in some respects was more bloody sight like more dangerous than, <laughs> than <big laughs> <on ops. laughs> old wellingtons again you see uh, and
3: and you also did the uh, on d-day itself you did the um, taxable oh, okay. which was the the the, the chaff you were dropping you know is that i guess in the english channel sort of uh, making the raid look like it would be calais was going to be the landings was that the plan
4: yeah yeah we spent the whole of may uh, doing this fancy flying in in uh, over, uh, over the North Sea. We're taken off ops and that, that was our that was our weeks we were flying over there. What the devil were we doing this for? We couldn't make out why it was. Yeah we were, a, we we're a bombing squadron. We were messing about here and we turned out when on December, uh, Jan, June the fifth we were assembled under great guard and told the the um, the the day the invasion starts tomorrow, and you are going to be the pre pre runners of it. You're going to start it off with this operation, and we talk of at midnight, and, uh, and that's that's what we did. Flying up and down, and dropping. I was one of the boys in the front near the, um, the fair, fair shoot stuffing this um, this uh, window out. On, on the flick of a green light, or a green light every time. There was another chap with me passing the, passing the, uh, the stuff to me, and then I passed it in him when I got tired. Yeah. So we did that. And it was just
3: was it just sort of bags, yeah. bundles of metal foil? Was that what you were throwing oh,
4: metal out? foil. Yeah. It was. Um, we're doing race tracks. Each racetrack uh, maneuver got. Uh, uh, slightly nearer to the French coast. They were just going round in racetracks nearer and nearer to the French coast. And we dropped uh, this stuff um, starting with larger, larger um, strips of, of far from the French coast. They became smaller as you got near to the French coast. So underneath us on the sea, were some patrol boats and Navy boats making a lot of noise, as boats do, just to give some information, an indication that uh, there was something going on. And uh, so the idea was to fool the um, the, uh, uh, radar watchers that uh, something was going on, and perhaps it was the invasion.
2: So, and did, was that a dicey do as well, John? Was it? Did, was did it you have? Was it dicey up there as well? I guess you know you're dropping. No, no,
4: no, no.
2: So, so there was no fighters to molest you.
4: No, nothing came around. No. Well, thank
2: goodness for that.
4: No, we were all on, on line of abreast, and it was a very exact flight. Very tiring. We had two, oh, virtually two crews on each aircraft. Or, Part of two, so we had two a pilot, two pilots. One we took over after an hour. It's, just, it's damn tiring, um, so I believe? Anyway, I'm sure it is just just doing this exact flying, and holding exact uh, exact height and course and time. It uh, uh, went on for two hours. And Did were... you, um, you? You
2: so you said you um, you left in August '44 and. Not long after that, the squadron went after Tirpitz, didn't it? Um, yes, it did. And, and yeah, uh, did you did you were you disappointed in a way to miss that operation?
4: Yes, yes, I, I was. I um, uh, the bombing leader at the OTU I was I was now working at uh, wanted to make a visit to um, six one seven for some reason uh, to talk about bombing or something. So he said. Would you like to come with me? I said, "Oh, yes, I'd ask. i half. But I went over with him. I d- drove over to uh, the squadron, saw my crew. They'd been to Turpits, Dun Turpits, and uh, I said, "Oh, lucky buggers! I, I, wish, I'd been, I wish I'd been on that." <laughs> yeah. just, on, yeah.
1: just on the Turpits raid. Um, obviously, you guys are doing all sorts of uh, incredible stuff um, in, um, in the RAF. Was there a sense of rivalry or a sense of pride that you got to do the turpits rather than the Royal Navy?
4: Oh um, no, I don't think so. The Navy did very, really, very really, did hard uh, work, and particularly with their um, uh, uh, British submarines, for example, oh, yes, and of they damaged it, but uh, only to put it out of action for a while. In fact, it was damaged several times by by bombs and so forth, but uh, it it was still. It was it was as far as the Germans were concerned, it became a flagship. But uh, we in this country, I'm sure we didn't know that that it wasn't capable of going to going to sea. Mm. However, uh, it had to be destroyed. So uh, um, I, I don't think so. We, I, the attitude I think was that it was a target that uh, we could take out. Um, but it wasn't made for me to think about it. But uh, I'm sure. With well, the Navy had done a very good job and, uh, and they even tried bombing it. But uh, the tall boy was the answer. And it, I mean, they'd had three goes at it, don't forget. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, they, they... they went to Russia first and That's came back right. from Russia and it was in cloud. They went over again direct from Scotland and it was in cloud. And then the third time they saw it nice and clear. And, uh, and they so, were
0: giving you, given you, um... You'd seen your you, you mates over on 617, and there might be a couple of listeners that will smile at this one, but can you confirm that it was 617 that did it and not 9 Squadron?
4: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can say honestly, it was a joint operation. <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of rivalry, but um, um, it's, uh, there was a, a meeting, I think, within the last year or two years, where they all got together and all the plots, all the bomb plots were shown and it uh, showed who, who dropped which bomb. And uh, uh, some some 619, some 661... Uh, uh, what do you call
3: um, was Some uh, were nine, some were 617, weren't they? One, yeah.
4: Some nine squadron ones were, were very close and some were uh, not at all close at all. Uh, but uh, yes, they, I think are one or two nine... Squadron bombs hit hit it. i landed alongside it, turned it over. At, uh, yes, it was all all very friendly. <laughs> the reason the reason why they've had this uh, sort of war ever since is that uh, the I understand that the OC the CO of uh, Nine Squadron uh, on a on a visit asked if we could have a, a piece of the of the uh, boat the ship. Uh, you know, like a lump of. Timber or whatever—I well, forget some special piece of timber. Yes, when, when they produced it, they gave it to the <laughs> gave it to six one seven squadron. So for years and years and years, it was a um, it was an item that fought was fought for, and wherever it was buried, it was dug up by the opposing squadron and taken away. <laughs> so the fight went on for years until. Eventually, it was put in the in the RAF Museum at Hendon, where it re- resides today. Wow! There's it never- took a long
2: time for that to happen. I remember going to Nine Squadron and yeah. seeing it, and they'd got it in concrete. They'd yeah. concreted it in to yeah. stop the boys getting in and <laughs> nicking it and taking it back to Six One Seven Squadron. So yeah, uh, yeah it, uh, it it was yeah, a very it long it. rivalry.
4: Uh, uh, And and
0: I do hope it's still going today because um, nine squadron reformed as a typhoon squadron um, about a year or two ago up at Lossiemouth. And uh, 617, obviously, is one of the F-35 lightning squadrons out of um, uh, of Marham as well. So I do hope that uh, that's why I asked the question, hoping to rekindle it if it uh, it isn't there already.
4: (laughs) we friends, they uh, they t- they, did a good, they did a very good job with the um, bombing. They they, they were only other squadron that dropped torpedoes, and um, they they were very accurate with it. They they used the Mark fourteen. Um, they were practicing with it and had it properly serviced and one another. And they were very accurate with it. So
2: nine squadron out of Bardney were they a Bardney? Nine yeah. squadron? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 John,
1: yeah, um, yeah, I read a, a few, uh, maybe a year ago now, uh, Jeff Wellham's book, um, and one of the thing which really got me was the camaraderie between him and him and and the other and the other pilots. But of course, they were working effectively days; they were flying in the day and then, you know, going out to the pub at night. You guys are obviously working nights. What did you do once once you landed? What, how 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 did you boys go about bonding? Um, when you weren't on when you weren't on missions,
4: yeah. Well, we'd go down to the pub. <laughs> what in the morning? <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't they're...
3: fly every night.
4: No, didn't fly.
3: They every... had <laughs> <laughs> they had the old um, night for a session. Um,
4: this is uh, a long, long, long practice before we joined six one seven. Yeah, six one nine. We were in. We were in um, uh, the. Um, or oh, the the um, what's the name of that? We were at, we were outside the uh, out the, the airman were and the and the uh, and the non non commissioned crew were in this uh, site just outside the, outside the base. Uh-huh.
0: Was that it, um, at Woodall Spa? Woodall Spa. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. It, um, what are they called? The base? Goodness sake. Uh, Coningsby. Yeah. Coningsby. No, 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 no. It was a base, but specially built. Just outside the uh, entrance to the airfield. Uh, anyway, the the officers, of course, were in the um, in the uh, hotel, and uh, when the, we went when we stopped when we swapped stations went to Connorsby for a change, we were all in their, their proper brick-built brick built, um, uh, uh, places there. I mean, uh, pre-war, it was a pre-war squadron, uh, pre-war station, so they had um, decent uh, billets. Then we swapped back, got you know joined six one seven, and we were back to our old uh, uh, huts again. Except that uh, by then my commission came through, so I moved into the petwood, <laughs> and uh, that was the officer's awesome mess.
0: And, and how many how many of you were there on the squadron? So how many officers were staying in the petwood at that particular time?
4: Oh, to fill the fill the rooms. I mean, I've I've had to uh, um, uh, for. Five of us in one room. Wow. My, in, in my, you know, my crew, five of my crew Frankie. were in one room. We had an adjoining um, bathroom, so that helped. But uh, they just put extra beds in the room.
2: Hey, just to go back to, the, you were talking about the three raids of, uh, of the Turpits, and now you're talking about the Petwood. So it's just sort of bringing the two together. I remember you and I were having dinner. In the uh, in the Lancaster room in the uh, in the Petwood, John, and mm-hmm. um, there is a um, there's a pine pole that sits over the bar, yes.
4: um,
2: uh, in that in that room. And I remember you and I talking. You saying, "Yeah, this was my bar that we you know that we went to and had a, a pint after missions." And above yeah. the bar is the pine pole. Can you just tell the story of that uh, of that pine pole that sits above yeah. the bar?
4: It's the the, the first uh, first operation against the. Um... The turpits. I was mean, they flew into Russia, and flew back from Russia, and it was quite an experience apparently. And I think flying one of the one of the uh, Lancasters flying low, um, hit some branches are true and this this branch broke off and went right through, came right into the aircraft through the through the front turret through the front. Uh, yeah. Didn't damage anybody, fortunately. So they came back with it on, you know, well, it was stuck there. Because so,
2: I'd heard that they got it on takeoff because they were so heavy to get all that way that they couldn't they couldn't climb it didn't climb enough at the end of the takeoff roll and it hit oh, really? the tree uh, well that's what that. i'd heard anyway but you, know, you you were on the squadron
3: so it, it's certainly a large chunk of wood though isn't it it's not like a little yes. twig no. it is it's no. tree-esque it's a tree yeah. <laughs> it's a bigger tree. than your normal christmas tree put it like that yeah.
4: yeah
3: you'd certainly notice if you'd hit that thing yeah must
4: must have... Come in through through the uh, window the first place at the front presumably uh, yeah. that, that, that's all I assume it was I never heard anything different about it but uh, yeah it was it stuck in the front of the aeroplane when it landed so uh, now it's a it's a, an object of interest
2: yeah sure it is the bar. I, I mean I guess because the aircraft when it went when they were going that far I think they gave them extra fuel didn't they and they and right. I think they took the turrets off the top of the they took the mid upper turret, to
4: yeah, try I and save
2: some weight because yeah, I guess.
4: Put, I think they put some mosquito tanks in 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 board. Inside, yeah. Inside. Uh, extra fuel required. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, but the uh, yeah the 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 stick of wood the the branch is uh, it fetches a lot of interest when people. Come in and yeah, yeah. In there.
2: Mm. what a great bit of history.
4: Yeah, it is. Yes yeah uh, but uh, yeah it was um, a very interesting squad it was very interesting uh, operations with them, you know it, uh, if you felt you felt different because you were a separate squadron operating uh against targets that you like to bomb uh instead of a, a a town that's on fire and you know bomber command it was specifically taking out a factory or a bridge. Or yeah. Something of that sort. Yeah. And so it was much. It's much more rewarding in that respect.
2: Yeah. Precision stuff.
4: Yeah. yeah precision stuff. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And you had to keep practicing too on the range. You to, you know, go down the range and keep in in between operations just to keep practicing, like like throwing darts. I expect you know you got to keep the so <laughs> It was just like a dart too. <laughs> <coughs> Yeah. Oh, so, uh, I don't know anything else, I can tell you. But, uh, oh, I'll show, I'll show you this. I'll, this is a picture that I like show because uh, I had a bit to do with this. Uh, it's, you don't know whether you recognise it. The, uh, Just bring is, it up. That, is that Lacupole? Lacupole, yeah. V, v, V2 uh, weapons facility.
2: Just hold it a bit yeah, further up and left from where you are, John.
4: Yeah, you yeah. go. I'm going to take a photo.
2: That's it. There yeah, we'll, that's uh, it.
0: Matt, concrete bunker. Yeah,
4: that's right. Yeah, that's uh, which is in
0: northern France, isn't it? Um, Any time we're driving through France, <laughs> yeah. I force the family to stop off there to go and have a wander around it because it is ah. absolutely amazing inside.
2: That's
0: is it. it? I've never it been is,
4: there. Isn't it? Yes, they've, they've refurbished it, and it? it is it's amazing. Mm. <laughs> my, um, I'll say our, our tall boy. I've written a. I've drawn a an arrow on that you probably can't see it but I watched this I watched this tall boy from 28,000 feet all the way down and I could see it and I saw it explode uh, right on the corner of the of the, the not on the not on the concrete but there's a there's a, uh, a sort of a shelf that goes all the way around a wide shelf covering part of the installation part of the uh, installation inside. And uh, it was a big cloud of, of uh, smoke and fire as it went off. And it obviously penetrated. It wouldn't penetrate all that concrete, but it penetrated the edge there and burst out down below because it was a, probably a one-second fuse. And it must have destroyed the whole of the inside, which it yes. obviously did. They wouldn't accept it when we got back. They said, we, you know, we bombed it. No, nobody saw it. And the next day, the um wrecking, uh, flights went over there, took photographs, but they they uh, flew up the valley towards it and took photographs dead on, but didn't see that damage. And we all went back the following night to do it again.
2: Oh, yeah,
4: yeah. Oh, uh, not, well, it, that is it, definitely it, is amazing. Before, it, before it, I saw it, you must um, have a... mentioned in some report that uh, it had been destroyed by that uh, Tall boy, so that's, uh, cool.
0: so that's definitely amazing to me, John. That, um, you know, having having taken the family inside there as well at, at La Coupole, you know, which is an oh. old V1 factory and storage facility inside, amazing, yeah. it's like something the Thunderbirds would have had.
4: Oh, it is. That
0: yeah. I've stood next to one of your well aimed weapons, um, uh, you know, and oh, essentially yeah. where it went bang, that's amazing, yeah.
4: John. Did well, I sat on the deck chair on the top there? And, <laughs> <laughs> did you know? <laughs> Did you know what you were bombing, or
1: did you just have a target? Did you know that the, no, the, the there, V-1s were coming out there? Was, there?
4: there, there was, there's uh, another uh, one in, in the woods, uh, an epaulette forest, um, a large concrete structure, uh, which was also uh, for a V-2 weapons uh, f- uh, facility, and it had uh, a uh, ox- oxygen plant, uh, o- liquid oxygen plant in there, which would supply liquid oxygen for this one, which was some miles away. And we attacked that as well, but it was enormously enormous concrete structure, and we were just chip dumps out of it, but put it out of action by reason of uh, destroying the uh, the uh, facilities surrounding it and so forth um, and uh, i I visited that one and it's it really is a horrendous uh, Looking place, but made of solid concrete, and there's no way that our tall boys would get anywhere near going through. They're just chip lumps off it.
1: Really. Mm.
4: So how much? Just, how, we, how, what, what, what I meant to say was, yes, we sir. did not know what they contained, and in fact, that particular target was labelled as the uh, northwest. What was it now? Northwest facility for something or other. I don't know. It was, we knew nothing about V2s. Nobody told us about it until some, some little time later that that they were V2 installations. Amazing. Gosh.
1: So you've yeah. been flying over these facilities thinking, what on earth are they doing with a
4: massive concrete dome? Mm. Yeah. Well, well, we knew... Yeah, we, I think uh, they knew... Um, well, we didn't know what was going on I don't think at the time until some couple of weeks later that it was a V2 facility but you can see that uh, there were rail lights coming into the back of it and they were there obviously to bring in whatever it was it was, it was, it was. and in fact the V2s were brought in and uh, they then stood up and the, um, the, um, the warhead put on top, the idea was to wheel them out onto the Launch platform, and shoot them off, but they never did, of course, because we've destroyed all the surrounding uh, uh, facilities.
2: Thank goodness.
4: Yeah. What a job. Yeah. Apart, apart from destroying that it, itself, the the, um, the rail lines and the, and the launch pads and everything else were destroyed.
2: Well, that's yeah. probably a good time to say something like, "On that bombshell, <laughs> we should we should probably um, wrap this up. I guess we could probably talk." Um, for hours and hours and hours, but uh, we've we probably know, come to end. Keep going. Has <laughs> anyone <laughs> got any uh, final questions for for John?
0: No, I uh, honestly we, we don't want to keep you much longer, John. Uh, you know, it's just a, I guess a huge thank you from everyone for everything that you and your generation did. You know, during this period, and um, you know we're glad you are still here and uh, are happy to sit here on technology proof. Um, that you can do it better than Parky as well and uh, sit here on <laughs> Skype and uh, and talk to us about these uh, these exploits and uh, you know we're really glad that you've made the time to uh, to come and speak to this and also glad to hear that you've had both of your Covid shots at the moment so uh, you're currently super, super yeah. human.
3: Yeah. I yeah. And you look younger than me as well John. <laughs> Got it in before
4: I did. I enjoy uh, talking about this. It came about after when the the, um, um, memorial went up and uh, was going up. And uh, and the question was, who's going to pay for it? Uh, Well, the government was going to pay. uh, So the the public. And uh, they gathered, uh, gradually gathered together a number of uh, veterans like myself in West Sussex. I think there were about 20 or 25 of us. And we would uh, go to, uh, especially organised, go to um, uh, um, garden centres on a Sunday and the public would come in and we'd be there and they'd bring stuff in for us to sign and uh, and they put money and you know, contributions in the pot. And we got thousands and thousands of pounds that way to help pay for the... Now, they didn't just want the signature. They said, "What generally, what did you do? So out of this memory bank, which had been stored away and not mentioned, you know, we didn't do anything to tell anybody. Nobody wanted to know for years and years and years. We started to tell them the things that they wanted to know. Where were you? Were you on? When they knew I was on 6 or 7, they swore the, the question is always, were you on the dams raid? No, were you on that ter- I said, no, I did everything that was in between. <laughs> <laughs> but it was always, were you on the dams raid? Were you on turpits? But uh, it was interesting that out of the memory box came all this information that had been stored away for all those years. And we, in fact, we held, um, held um, uh, lectures um, down in uh, Chichester uh, and... Uh, went to schools and talked talk to the children. And it was most uh, helpful to us to, to live again, as it were, and uh, tell the public what they wanted to know. And, of course, the media got really involved and all sorts of little film that came out afterwards, as you've probably seen. So uh, it did us a great a great uh, turn of good because suddenly we became active again. So, yeah.
3: You know,
4: just sort of what I would do, I would go to the pub we were out talking to people and uh never stopped and well I, that's I,
2: great long may it continue
4: yes quite. Right. Mm. Well, Assu- so.
2: yeah, yeah as soon as the lockdowns are ended again
4: yeah there's only two of us left down here in this group yeah george yeah. Uh, george yeah. down over in uh, some you know the other side of brighton yeah yeah and he's uh, he's a year older than me uh, yeah
0: Oh, so that's the so, promise, then. So when this is over, we'll uh, we'll come down and take you to the pub and uh, and continue it in person.
4: Yeah. yeah. Well, we enjoyed meeting you. The um, the uh, BBMF come down. We have had them down here, haven't we? Yeah. We a couple of a couple of occasions they came down all the way down. You treated to, uh, us royally. Yeah. 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 We yeah. popped down the for a Christmas
3: lunch. There, yeah, we did yeah. a couple of years ago up. Yeah. 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 Good yeah. to see you, boys.
4: Yeah. Well, it's it's kept us it's kept us alive, kept us going, and kept us uh, you know with friends around us, uh, uh, like-minded people. We don't uh, we don't sit and talk about these events all the time, but unless uh, um, somebody says, "Do you remember so and so?" Well, you were on that, road, No, it wasn't it's was Somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> with the, um, But you're out. You're with, out. Camaraderie. It was, it was with great.
1: all the renewed interest, John, after the bomber bomber memorial. Did that spur you on to go and f- reconnect with your old squadron mates, or were you all were, were you always in, uh, in contact since since you left?
4: Oh yes, well yes, um, I uh, yes I forget what happened. I, I was uh, I was invited to join the um, the uh, uh, committee, yeah. uh, and John um, Langston, uh, but that was down in. Sussex down here. We'd, be, we'd have a committee meeting up at uh, the RAF club. Didn't go up to uh, to the uh, then in those days there was in um, early days there was a um, a dams great dinner. The one on the Turpits, there wasn't a, a dinner held there. The the squadron would hold their dinner on that. They didn't invite us over naturally, you know. To get him, to go over there, so I always went to Woodall Spa in November, and uh, we, um, we we organised uh, some of us organised to give lectures in one of the schools, and we raised funds for the um, for the um, council. Um, um, oh, they, set, they set up a, a artefacts of the of the war in, uh, in a, a small. Um, a uh, small small room, small room um so that the public could go in the, the public could go in and see what went on and uh, so we gave raised funds for that so the second um uh, second uh, dinner uh, didn't take, didn't, in, didn't include us and it was much later on that they, with, they uh, introduced the november dinner as well uh, but uh, I enjoyed going up there and just uh, you know, meeting people and talking to them. And so uh, uh, it got a bit, bit more organised after that. And uh, it was well organised down here in the south. I don't know whether any other areas did this, but we, we had a lot of uh, um, aircrew, members of the Air Crew Association, and uh, they just wanted to get involved with... Uh, Raising funds for the um, for the for the uh, memorial, or to pay for it, and uh, talk 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 a high leg off a donkey. We talk to anybody. <laughs> well, incredible we it's yeah. incredible stuff. It's
1: incredible stuff, and it simply can't be told to- told enough times. Mm.
4: Yeah.
1: Fantastic. Yeah.
4: Awesome. Anyway, great talking to you tonight. I Must say, and also that this thing's working.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Like we said, better than Parky and uh, better sound quality than Parky as well. So that's brilliant. Thanks very much for, uh, for coming Yeah, on, John. thanks, John. Absolutely yeah, great brilliant. To, great All to worries. chat thanks. to you, John.
4: Thank, thank you very much. Good cheers. to see you.
1: See Bye. See you. Cheers. 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 Right. Well, that was fantastic. <laughs> so um, hopefully we'll have another podcast for you in I don't know when. Next week, next month, we simply do do, do not know when. But thank you so much for listening. Thank um uh, thank you to John. Thank you, Parky, Dunk, Godders, of course. And we will see yeah. you. Well, whatever we see you. And don't and don't forget to to follow us on Twitter at Pilot Episodes Pod.
2: Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.comslash press on and use code press on 25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and press on falsies.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere
2: sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus,